Hello, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. On this podcast, we talk to marketers about how they help their businesses get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and this week I had the opportunity to interview Arel Moody. Arel and I met through YEC, actually, Young Entrepreneurial Council. Uh, there's a Facebook group, and he asked if we could, if he could run a new concept by a few of us. Uh, needless to say, Arel and I got along right away, and I'm now so thankful to call him friend. Aral is the CEO and founder of the Art of Likeability and the College Success Program. He is a likeability strategist, a national best-selling author, and has been featured at the White House and was personally acknowledged for his work by President Obama. What an honor to have him on our podcast. And I really enjoyed my conversation with Aral because it ties two things I never thought could go together, public speaking and demand generation. You heard me, public speaking can lead to demand generation. Aurel and I dig into how getting up on stage and telling your story can actually drive revenue. Yeah, really, seriously. Let's take a listen to my conversation with Aurel. Thank you for joining me on the MKG podcast. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. It is. I'm pumped. And uh, so before we get into it, which we have a lot to get into, and I'm, I'm excited to pull all this apart, but before we get into it, let's set the stage for our listeners. And why don't you tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and how you got there? Yeah. So, you know, I got kind of introduced to the idea of speaking uh, way, way back in the day uh, through entrepreneurship. I started my first internet company when I was in college. And in that process, I realized I had no, I, no idea what I was doing. So I would just go around and um, trying to just ask people how to be successful. And they would tell me to go to events and, you know, learn from people who were smarter than me. And most of the events I went to, there was some boring person speaking. <laughs> and, you know, I thought like, well, that's the price one has to pay to be successful. You have to listen to boring speakers. And um, but one time I went to an event and there was this like incredible rock star on the stage who was engaging, entertaining, sharing great information. And it, it, for the first time in my life, I was probably, you know, I was young. I was very lucky. I was probably like 20 at the time. I saw that and I was like, that whatever that guy's doing, I don't even know what it is, but I want to do that for, for the rest of my life. And what happened was I, I felt like almost instantly I can pick apart and understand why he was moving the way he was moving, talking the way he was talking. And I was like, I want to do something like that. And then I started doing speaking engagements. And the, like this, this almost by accident, beautiful experience happened where speaking started becoming this tool to bring in clients. So I'd speak at conferences, you know, rock the stage, impact lives. And then afterwards, tons of people would come up to, to me and say, hey, we want to you know, use your service. We want to work with you. We love what you're doing. And it kind of was a thing that was just in the back burner of my brain. But as I've you know, built some businesses, sold some businesses, gotten in the education space, I had the opportunity to speak all over the country, 48 states, five countries around the world to over half 
a million people. Almost uh, before COVID hit this year, we would have hit 750,000. So I would have been able to say three quarters of a million, but uh, a lot, a lot got canceled at least in, uh-huh. uh, in person. But to be able to to travel and speak and help people has been just a blessing to do over the four, the last 14 years. And I think there's a lot that people can learn about how to leverage speaking and how to leverage impacting people so that they ultimately can find what I'll call the intersection of success and fulfillment, where success is that outward financial power, all those wonderful things that a lot of people want. But fulfillment is more of an inward journey where you're doing something that gives you a sense of wholeness. And I think that everyone can tap into it. And I'm, I'm super excited that in a weird way, being a, a 20 year old who had no idea what he was doing <laughs> led to all that that's happening today. Yes, uh, to to be that young and to learn so much and to be able to actually like go build your career on it is um, amazing. I am in awe for sure of what you've accomplished in the last 14 years. Something you said though is, is sort of striking me right now. And um, it's that you said that you've been able to travel a lot and go to all these countries and do in-person speaking, but the world has shifted and we don't know for how long and everything's gone virtual but I imagine you still there's I mean there all the events that I was gonna go to I was actually able to go to more even because everything ended up online so it still feels like there's still plenty of game out there in terms of speaking engagement it's just in a different venue now yeah you know here's a great philosophy or or a way to look at it that might be different so um, any one of us who's listening to this are probably a part of some type of professional association, right? There's some group we're a part of where we go to an annual conference, whether it's us attending as attendees or, or as exhibitors mm-hmm. or, or presenters. Now, if you think about the association that's holding the event, that annual event is the, the linchpin of why people are members, why people share. They, they want to go to this one big event or these two or three events throughout the year, but with the in-person being canceled, these membership associations, they need to engage their members so that they don't drop off, go somewhere else. So you're actually seeing an uptick in the amount of virtual presentations that are available so that people can keep their membership engaged so that these associations, that their bread and bump bread and butter are their members don't say, well, I'm going to cancel my membership. And then the association goes down because they don't have any members. So I think there, there's actually more opportunities to present now than there have ever been. Yeah, I would agree. Like I said, I mean, I've been, I've been attending events left, right and center, uh, which is just great because I feel like there's so much more information out there and available. So in terms of speaking engagements, being, if somebody did want to sort of approach this as their, it sounds like, I mean, people could do, I, I don't do this. So I'm speaking from a place of total ignorance here and you're going to correct me all over the place. It's going to be fabulous. But I I imagine like yourself, there's tons of people out there who basically, this is all they do for a living is go out and speak. And then they get more revenue from the fact that not only are they speaking, but then they're able to sell on the back end. So is this really like a marketing tool for people or is this their livelihood like what this just feels like so many avenues you could take in terms of you know the speaking world 
So there's two main kind of categories that you can put speaking into from a professional perspective, not just like, you know, a hobby or, you know, internal meetings that that's all important, but externally, there's two main categories. The first category is basically what's called a, a keynote speaker who gets paid a keynote fee. So this mm -hmm. is someone who might get paid, you know, thousands of dollars to come up and speak for an hour. Right. And that's the end of the transaction. They come up, they speak, and that's it, right? Um, there are other people who go into another category where they might get paid to speak, they might not get paid to speak. So, you know, if they get paid to speak, it's, it's gravy, but if they don't get paid to speak, it's fine because they know if they're in a room full of people who they can impact, right? And not give mm -hmm. some like thinly veiled sleazy sales presentation, but like actually structure in a way that impacts people, the natural, occurrence is that people from that room will come and then say whatever you're offering ppc service or seo or whatever it is you're the person i want to do it for me let's talk and then you build business on the back end so you know the the, the greatest place to be in is where you basically get paid to speak in front of your clients and then get more business on the back end it's uh, it happens often and it's 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 the most fun place to be so you're telling me that you're basically able to use speaking as a demand gen tool. Absolutely. I mean, think of it like this. this. This was the analogy that a mentor had given to me when I was very young in my career. And it just burnt into my, my psyche, right? Um, let's say you are a parent and you had you know, six kids and you wanted to get each one of these kids a bunny, a pet, okay? However, you didn't have enough money at the time to buy all of them a pet, but you can only afford to buy one. What is the smartest kind of pet to buy? Well, a pregnant bunny would be the best one. <laughs> one pregnant bunny, you wait a little while, the bunny gives birth, and now everybody's got a bunny. And everyone's <laughs> so, you know, speaking is a way to basically go into a room full, you do one presentation to a room full of people, you shift there and the key is not to necessarily do a sales presentation the key is to do a shift in perspective to get them to see the world in which you want them to see where the service you offer naturally lead them to that new reality so if i go into a presentation and do a shift i'm creating demand because people go oh my gosh my perspective has changed yes this is important yes this is what we need to do yes this is the key and then who's <laughs> going to help me with it well why would i go anywhere except the person who shifted me to it so it's a very very smart way to create demand and i think for anyone who who's not using speaking um, as a tool they're missing out on one of the most credibility building most powerful most uh, just the most effective strategy for truly making a difference in someone's life. I think that's so, one of the things that you said a lot of things in there that are all important, but one of the things that really stuck out to me that I want to come back to for a second is this idea of not, it not being a sales pitch. I think that's so key. And I, and in a lot of the conferences I showed up at, I didn't feel like any, you know, especially nowadays, they aren't very salesy. They're not trying to pitch me their product. Well, maybe they'll squeeze it in at the end, but what they're teaching me up on stage initially isn't, isn't that. I, I'll never forget this, Arel. I went to this conference. I was young. I was probably in my 
early 20s and I went to a Nikon conference for photography right. and I was so sure I mean the way that they presented it of signing up for this thing was about coming to learn how to take great photos mm. and then all it was was sales demos of their product over mm -hmm. and over and over again it was yeah. the most disheartening thing I'd ever been a part of I was so angry because I can't I was I just had my first job I can't afford all their gear so I thought they were just going to teach me how to take some really nice photos and here I am being pitched to so I think it's really so true that it cannot be a sales pitch but your messaging is really in, important so how how do you make an impact without being like and here's my product Vanna White style yeah there's there's two main differences between a pitch fest and a perspective shift right so yeah. no there's so many people who go up and present and they go well here's why our features of our service is so great and here's all the benefits and if they're like no this is helpful but it, it's really self-serving um and ultimately what you want to do is shift away from what you offer and what you do and ask yourself if i could lead my audience to see one thing differently that whether they worked with me or not I genuinely in my heart of heart believe would have the single greatest impact in their lives right now, right? And we can go through the process of how you figure that out for yourself. But the, the main idea is what is the perspective shift? What is the idea that I want them to get that if they get this idea, whether they work with me or not, they're going to leave this room talking to their friends about it, calling up their spouse and loved one and saying, oh my gosh, this great idea just, and I just never saw it this way. And if you can get someone enamored with your idea, then the natural occurrence is they're gonna check you out. In the same way, and, and, and again, check this out just to understand how human nature works. Let's say I um, have a Facebook profile, so Facebook you know, changed their, their layout. And right under your profile picture, you can put a description or a URL, right? So let's say mm -hmm. someone puts, and, and I totally am, am not in your world, so if this is a bad idea, you say so, but this is how my <laughs> Okay. So under my profile picture, I put, you know, uh, a way to capture someone's information like, hey, if you want this free report, go here and, you know, lead gen kind of stuff. But I put it right under my profile. But if I'm going out into a Facebook group or if I'm going out and I'm just giving crazy good information, like just not, and not even mentioning what I do or my product at all, the natural occurrence is they're going to say, who is this person? And they're going to click on your Facebook profile. And then they click on your Facebook profile, they're gonna you know, search a little bit, but they're gonna see that link right under it. And by natural occurrence, they'll click on it and go because they're curious in who you are. Um, I mean, if you look at this strategy, people like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, whether you love him or hate him, yeah. he creates a curiosity about himself that you just need to know like, who is this guy? What is he doing? And just by that, he's driving so many people into his VaynerMedia, into his buying his shoes, his wines, whatever he has to offer, because he's helping and changing people's perspective. And the natural occurrence of that perspective shift is, who is this person? And then when you find out what they do, you want to be involved in what they're offering. Yeah, I mean, his whole thing is about just giving information away on a regular basis every day through his through LinkedIn, through all his channels, it's just constant stream of just free information, which is brilliant. If you have the information to give, the other person who does this really well, who's regardless of whether you like him as again, I think it's the same thing. Regardless of whether you like them as a person, 
Don Miller from StoryBrand does this too, where he's just constantly giving free information away that makes it impossible to not just be like, well, it's here and it's free. Why wouldn't I, you know, check it out? And then eventually you end up buying something because you've bought into this paradigm shift they've created. They both, you know, two people you've mentioned, you know, you mentioned Gary, I mentioned Don, they have unbelievable stories and experience under their belts where they can you know, spout all this stuff from their hip essentially all day long. And you do as well. I mean, you have an unbelievable story, but somebody who's coming into this, you know, I, so full disclosure audience, Arel and I actually met last week. Um, cause he, cause we met through uh, a organization we're part of called YC, that's YC. Um, and in, do, in doing so we had this awesome conversation and he was asking me about you know, my speaking engagements, what I want to do as a speaker. And I was like, I would love the idea, you know, this, I would love to get up and speak and, and, you know, help people out. I just don't know what I would say. And I don't know why anybody would care. And, and I think that's where this sort of like struggle comes in, not just for me, but I'm sure for many of my listeners too, of like, yeah, this all sounds great or else, but why, you know, A, what would I even say? And B, why would anybody care what I have to say, given that I don't have this, you know, experience just having built up for the last 14 years. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very common situation. I see it all the time. And whenever I'm working with someone and they say that, I always go in my head, okay, I'm just going to ask them a couple questions and they're going to get into their flow state. And what happens with most people is when they're trying to articulate what they can say and how they can do it, they're thinking of it from a very intellectual perspective. They're trying to say, what is it that I can teach people? And then you run into a brick wall. But what I find is when you actually are asking the right questions, when you're putting someone into their flow state, I have never met someone who's you know, achieved a little bit of success who hasn't been able to say amazing things. Like when we were talking, I was like, all right, well, let me ask you a few questions. And you started saying all these incredible ideas. And I'm sitting there writing down like a madman because I'm like, I have to capture what you're saying. And then when I read it back to you, it almost sounds like I made this incredible thing happen. I was like, I literally didn't say anything that you didn't just say. The only difference was you were answering questions in your flow state and realizing, wow, I actually do have something to say. But it has to start with asking the right questions so that you can answer them and the answer becomes what you have to say versus trying to force some idea that's supposed to be your groundbreaking work because that's just not where it comes from. It always comes from the flow state. Yeah, it was kind of magical, I'm not going to lie. And uh, I think what was so magical about it is, to your point too, is it's not only was it not forced, but it wasn't, there was no jargon behind it. I wasn't trying to like elevator pitch anything. It was literally the questions you asked. All right, let's get into it. All right, let's get into it. So um, let's talk through the process. I, you're going to uncover basically this voodoo thing that you did to me um, <laughs> because you just you just did it. You didn't explain to me what you were doing. You were basically like, Carrie, do you have an hour right now? Because we need to do this thing. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And then you literally walked me through this series of questions and at the end popped out basically a speech. And so I want to unravel what it is that you did in that conversation. And you talk about the flow state. So talk to me about how you, you start this off and get people going into their flow state. Yeah, so the overall strategy is, uh, I call it the content elevator, right? 
Um, so it's a content elevator strategy. And it's if you want to create some of the best content you've ever created, if you want to put together your speeches, this is a very simplistic way to put yourself into an experience that helps you create it. So what you do is you imagine that you have stepped into this magical elevator, okay? And in this elevator, you see all the floors, the buttons that you can press. But the buttons, these floors, actually represent moments in time. So, you know, maybe the number 12 represent when you were 12 years old or whatever it might be. So what you do is you wanna go back to these specific moments in time. So for example, let's say you, oh man, I wanna give a presentation, what would, I, what would I talk about? Okay, at some point you learned the strategies that you're implementing now in your organization and company. But there was a moment in time you didn't know those. So let's say you were 25 years old when you just started on this journey. What you would do is press the number 25 and on the elevator, so like you're going to the 25th floor, if you can imagine it, the doors open up. You run outside the elevator and standing right in front of you is your previous self at 25 years old. And as we know, when an elevator door opens, the elevator door is gonna close really soon. So you only have a couple of moments. You don't have a lot of time. So the door opens up and you see this younger version of yourself. You say, hey, listen, I know you're about to embark on this journey, but listen, it's me from the future. And for, you know, for whatever reason, your past self like goes, okay, I believe you. And there's none of this, you know, one person I did this with said, but, but if I knew this, wouldn't it change the future and like, you know, mess everything up, like, you know, back to the future. And I was like, no, let's just assume in this scenario, none of that happens. It just helps you be a better version. of you. So anyway, so you run out and you see yourself at 25 years old, right before you're about to embark on, you know, this new journey, whether it's starting your own company or taking a new position. And you go, I need to tell you one thing that is going to impact you more than anything else. What is what you'd want to tell your 25-year-old self right before they embarked on this new journey? And you've got a few minutes, go, and then you've got to get out. And then what that does is it causes us to reflect on all of the lessons we've learned and what are the things that we wish we would have known or did differently or did more of or let go of. Whatever it is jumps at us. And the key to this, for anyone who wants to do this, the key to this is not to ask yourself, like, what's the biggest, most important? Because oftentimes that's too big of a task. It seems too, like, scary. You just think, if you could tell yourself one thing, you've got two minutes, what jumps, what jumps out at you immediately? And whatever jumps out at you immediately is usually exactly what you needed to say. And if you can take yourself to these different points in time when you needed to learn something and you go and press that elevator button, you'll start realizing all these incredible ideas flow out. And then typically, and I've done this many times and I've never seen it not happen, at the end, there's one consistent theme that ties these ideas together. And this becomes that perspective shift that you can now give to others. So let me ask you a question. When we, when we did this exercise, I sort of had an idea on what it was I would speak about. You had to uncover that and we had to hash that out a little bit before we got into the, into the content elevator strategy. But do you need to have, I mean, is this about uncovering what that talk is going to be, or do you have to have some idea on what it is you, you know, would at least initially start with 
almost like the end goal of, of what it is you want to do. have, yeah, you know, like if someone is, you know, 15 years old and has never had any business experience and then they say, hey, Aurel, I want to give presentations to business owners. I'm going to be like, that's not how this works, right? Like <laughs> you got to have some type of um, knowledge base and direction. And I think the easiest way for someone to do that is kind of say like, well, where do you spend most of your time now? Where, where do you get most excited in the work that you do? Because all of us do a bunch of things we don't want to do so mm -hmm. we can do the things we want to and the things we're passionate about. And some of the easiest ways to, to think about it is to ask yourself questions. What do I get most excited about at work? Or what do I get most angry about when I see other people doing or not doing something? You know, what do I wish other people in my world, whether it's my clients, my in, uh, in other industries, whatever it is, what do I wish they got that I feel like they don't get? And those type of questions will actually cause you to bring to the front of your mind what's really important to you. And when you find something that almost makes you, you know, shake with excitement or just mm -hmm. feels so just authentic, now you're starting to uncover where you should be going, what direction you should be taking, and then you kind of dial it back from there. And so we, we had an interesting conversation before we did the uh, elevator strategy in that, you know, you asked me what my company does and what we do. And I gave you, you know, sort of the, the pitch of digital marketing, focusing on SEO, PPC analytics, such and you said, okay, so like you get on stage and that's what you talk about. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like I hire experts who know all that stuff. I do not know about these things. I run a company. And then we started getting into like, what makes me excited. And one of the questions I had for you is, yeah, that's how I run a company. And that's how I, you know, from a culture standpoint, I could see how that would be really interesting for recruiting, but that's not going to bring me in any clients. And you had a very different perspective on that one, which was, which was amazing how you sort of tied these things together. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you're standing up on stage, there is still that end goal, regardless of the impact you're trying to make and the culture, the shift in, in, your, in people's minds that you want them to have. But that is what you're trying to do at the end of the day, is you are trying to get them to want to work with you. So how much does your message matter in what it is that you actually, in what your business actually does? Does that make sense? Is that question Absolutely. you can say? Yeah, so think of it like this, right? Um, if, if someone would come up to you, Carrie, and say, you know, hey, what do you do? Why is it important? You're going to say, oh, well, we, we drive results and we're the best at SEO and PPC and we help these people. But ultimately, you know, I could knock on some guy who's working in his garage, who's trying to do the exact same thing as you, and he might say the exact same language, right? Like everyone is going to be saying we're the best. We do the technical thing the best. The, the difficult part is for clients, for people who are trying to decide who is the person I should work with. And a lot of it has to do with buying into your individual philosophies, buying into your, you know, we can talk about the idea of likability. Like, do they like you? Do they buy into who you are and what you stand for? Because if you can show me, you can get me results, right? Whatever it has to be like, I mean, look, I can't, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, put lipstick on a pig, I think is the, the phrase or whatever. Like you can't, it's still a it's still a pig. It just it's right. not Beyonce, right? Just because you put <laughs> lipstick on a pig doesn't mean it turns into Beyonce somehow, right? You know, there there has to be some substance behind what you do. But once there is that substance, 
you can go ahead and bring up these ideas. Now the key is, and this goes into a little bit of like the fun details of it, by giving examples of the substance, the ideas that are important to you, that drive you, you then give case studies and examples of how this benefited you and give client results. So for example, without going into too much detail in our conversation, because I didn't get any clarity on what I could or could not say from our convo, but mm -hmm. you were mentioning that there's one particular client that kind of changed the trajectory of your business and the types of people that you go after and who you care about. And this person, you can now give an example of why they bought into working with MKG and why they bought into working with you because they love you. And then you give an example of how when that person came in, all the results you got for them. So you're kind of sort of sharing in a very subtle way the results you get but how it wouldn't be possible unless that person had bought into a specific philosophy that you were able to show. So you, there are ways to give examples of what you do, but then provide case studies of how people come in and not a very blatant straightforward, we work with John and we made John $7 million and then move right. on. It's like, why did you mention that? That had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> you know, if the case study illustrates these philosophies you're teaching, then it feels like it's a story, but that story is also selling me why I should work with you because you're the best. Yeah, it's the what's in it for me conversation, right? Like I could sit up here and share my story about our culture all day long, but as a client, you're saying, they're like, great, well, what's in, it? what's in it for me? I'm not about to go build a company that has this culture, but how, how is it what you're doing impacted me? And, and that's the key right there. I mean, as marketers in general, even if, even if you're not a business owner and we're talking most of my audience, those who are listening are demand gen marketers. I mean, even for, there's so many marketers I know who get up on stage and do this and they're actually not talking about what they're even doing necessarily at their company. There was this great talk I just actually watched from, um, this woman at Spotify who was talking about her culture and, and diversity and inclusion, right? And she's not up there selling Spotify. She's up there talking about what Spotify is doing about making change around this very big subject in a very tangible way, right? But I remember that she's at Spotify and that's going to stick with me, right? So I think even as marketers, it's not necessarily about getting up and talking about, you know, the product you're selling on a regular basis. It's talking about what you're doing internally with your company or even you as a person and how you're impacting that. And then your the company logo is attached to that. But even as a marketer, this is something you certainly could do to make an impact. And at the end of the day, as we're talking about it, you, you do naturally sell your product because people want to come work with you. And let's, so let's talk about that for a second. RL, that likability piece, because you can't just get up on stage and have this lovely thing to talk about. You, you were talking about when you first, you know, in your early 20s, where you first saw this person up on stage and how the way they moved and how they talked and how that, that charisma came through to want you to go on and to go do that. And so I imagine there's some aspect of what you do that also marries in with this content elevator strategy that brings in the message with actually getting people to sort of listen and care, right? Absolutely. And what happens with it is there, there's something that I used to get nervous about. And, you know, I've spoken at inner city schools in some of the, you know, most highly crime ridden areas. I've spoken at the White House. I've spoken to 
a room full of owners of sports teams and CEOs. And I've spoken to, you know, nonprofits and religious groups. And I, I would get nervous in the beginning. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember when I first started speaking, I was speaking a lot to high school students and college students. And then I got asked to speak at, uh, at the time it was Governor Schwarzenegger of California. He was doing a, a small business conference. And I was like, I, I don't know how to, these are a bunch of like, you know, people two to possibly three times my age at the time. And I, I know how to speak to students. I'm not going to know how to speak to these people. Like I'm going to come out there and make a fool of myself. So I was like, I had all this anxiety that was building up inside of me. And then it was this really wild discovery that literally changed the way I was able to go into any presentation, which is that human experience, the human experience is 100% the same no matter where you go. We all have emotions. We all want to be cared for. We all want to be, feel love. We all want to overcome fear. We all feel certain emotions that are universal. And if you can tap into those universal emotions and universal elements that every single human, regardless of their age, race, gender, or creed have, you're going to have the ability to connect with any audience at any time. For example, if I were to say to you, Kerry, or to you who's listening right now, do you know what it feels like to want to go after a goal but feel restricted because of the environment that you're in? Do you know what it feels like to feel like you're in a room full of people, but you still feel alone? Or to have everyone look at you and say, well, you've got everything going on, everything's perfect in your life, but you know behind closed doors, there's so much insecurity, so much uncertainty, and so much just like, you're just winging it and you don't even know how mm -hmm. you got to the guy. You know, if I were to enumerate a thousand more emotions, whether I'm in a room full of CEOs or whether I'm in a room full of marketers, or whether I'm in a room full of teenagers, they're all going to resonate with it because I'm tapping not into them as individuals, I'm tapping into the human experience. So if my presentation connects to this universal human experience, which is emotions, mm -hmm. and then I layer my information onto it, now I'm connecting with people. So here's an example to make this more concrete. So let's say I'm gonna give a presentation about why, um, Diversity and inclusion is so important. Okay, let's say I'm, I'm the Spotify person. I'm gonna just pull this out of the air, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm the Spotify person giving that presentation. I could come in and start listing my policies. I can start listing, um, you know, here's what we do. Here's our recruitment strategies and just give them a bullet point list. And that would exchange the information. And that's where most presenters spend 95% of their time in that exchange of information. But in all honesty, you could have just written that in a report and sent it to me, and that would have been the exact same thing. That, that's not why I go see you speak. I go see you speak so you can talk about a story where you brought someone in, and it changed the culture, and it changed you, and it made you feel connected to the work that you do. And the reason why that story was possible is because of this specific implementation that you're gonna then share. So by adding a human emotion, and whether it's through story, whether it's through analogy, whether it's through example, of someone who came into your company and you tell them the backstory of that person, 
you tell them why, how you found them, and but you wouldn't have found them if it wasn't possible for this diversity inclusion policy that you have. Then you talk about the importance of that policy and how they can use it. Now I'm emotionally impacted and this idea means something to me. But just data and ideas, like you could just you know, make a white paper and, and send it. That's not why I hear you speak. I hear you speak because I wanna be moved. That's the key to likability because I'm connecting to the human experience, which is emotion. And if you just look at every one of your ideas, like let's say you come up and you have three main ideas you wanna share. Then you ask yourself, what emotion, what story, what, what human experience can I connect to this idea? then it becomes more easy to understand, to comprehend, and take with them long after the presentation's over. Because people remember stories, not data, right? Always. Always. You do. You need to have that emotional, the, the most memorable talks. And, and even, you know, I watch a lot of, you know, Netflix, guilty, charged. Um, <laughs> Uh, but what I've been really liking lately is what Netflix has been doing is like the stand-up comedians, right? Which is all story. And what's interesting about those right now is that they're they're not just up there to share stories around, you know, their lives or whatever, but there's always an underlying sort of theme, whether that's women empowerment or the Black Lives Matter movement right now. Like there's there's um there was a there was a great one that a woman just did about how She's got Asperger's and she's bringing that to life in a really, you know, great way through story and her experience, but also, you know, she's got that com comedic edge. And it sounds like that's sort of what you need to do when you're up on that stage is you sort of need to embody that of, yes, you're trying to give away something so people can go do something important. And but by giving them this real life experience and connecting it with something you've done, then it's it's memorable and something that they can take away with them in a really thoughtful way and then go retell the stories themselves. Right. And then that's how, you know, the, the idea of story, and I'd love to go into the, the, the topic of story and how you find your stories, but stories are what persist over time. You know, if you think about Aesop's fables, whether it's the tortoise and the hare or, or whether it's the, you know, fox and the sour grapes or whatever it might mm -hmm. be, these stories have persisted for centuries and we've never, there's been no marketing campaign behind Aesop's fables. There's been no, you know, how do we get these things to stick? Well, what happens is when you can create a memorable experience, a memorable story, then ultimately that story gets told when you're not there. Like I remember um, Jessica Alba created her like billion dollar company. And the story behind it is one day when she was coming in and she saw her little baby, and the baby had a traditional throwaway diaper on, a disposable diaper, and the baby got into the diaper and was like eating the like gel beads that was inside oh. of it. She freaked out and went, what the, like, why is this even near my baby? And from that moment, she says, I have to do something about this so that this doesn't happen and that kids are exposed to, you know, honest ingredients. Mm -hmm. And then there's the honest company. So if anyone's ever heard her tell that story, you've probably shared that story about why she started the business to other people. And then it almost indoctrinates you to like her company. And you know, there's a reason it's a billion dollar company. It, yes, I've bought their products, not gonna lie. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I totally agree that story is definitely the heart of this. And I love how you get to, the, to 
you know, uncover somebody's story through the content elevator strategy. I do want to say before we wrap up here that after that, I got on the phone with my mom actually, who was putting this presentation together and she was sort of struggling. I was like, okay, I just had this great conversation. This guy Rel taught me this thing and I tried to walk her through it. And I got to say, we, we got to the end result and I helped her. She's like, I already got a lot of this stuff. Like, thanks for the, you know, whatever. But I got to say, it was really like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this really cool thing with you. This elevator strategy about, you know, you're getting this elevator and your ages are on the, on the buttons and, and, um, yeah, it's harder than it sounds. <laughs> so, I well, you know, I mean, going to the NBA is very simple. You know, you shoot a basketball and it goes in the hoop, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to make it to the NBA, just take a basketball and put it in a hoop. So that's, it's a, it's a simplistic idea, but the art yeah. behind it, you know, how you can get it in over things. Because also what happens is when someone um, gets to that point, sometimes you have to continue asking the right questions to move them past maybe initial stuck phase or initial phase that doesn't feel like it's, you know, it means something. But if you ask the right questions enough, you'll dig deep enough. And then I'm always looking for a response because if someone responds to me and there's no emotion in their eyes, there's no vibration in their body, I'm like, that's not it. I got to dig deeper. And mm -hmm. I find that if you keep digging and you're asking questions like, well, why is that important to you? What did that mean to you? Why would you want to share this with yourself? But what would yourself say, if they, your past self say, if they heard you give this advice from the future? What would you have to, and then eventually you get to that point where, you know, like I saw your eyes light up, Carrie, when you were talking about how you want to turn your industry on its head and how you, you know, this people-centric uh, philosophy seems so common to you. And like, when I saw you light up, I'm like, this is where we need to be. Everything else, this is where we need to be. And so um, it's about getting to that place where if, you know, one, one of the secrets of moving people emotionally is you have to be emotionally moved first. You know, and, and the very simple thing is, if you ever watch a movie and someone's crying in the movie, you, you typically get emotional and you cry too. Um, if someone's laughing, you laugh too. We, we have like biofeedback or whatever, right? So if you're not emotionally moved, your audience won't be moved. So you just can't say, oh, I would tell myself this, I tell myself that. But if you don't get excited about it, your audience won't. If you don't get sad about it, your audience won't. So it's important to be able to get to the point where you can uncover it. And then once you get there, I mean, that thing becomes an asset you can use over and over and over again, whether you're cutting it up in videos, whether you're doing it in team meetings, whether you're doing it to gain clients, it just becomes an incredible resource you can come back to whenever you want. Yeah, it, it, it is so powerful. And, I, and I, I think the magic with what happened with us was really a testament to you and having practiced this for so long and coming up with this process and then knowing those key moments of asking those more questions or asking different questions or going to the next level of the elevator and just having that nuance. So um, I am a believer, Aurel, this was amazing. I have to say, I started writing my book. I've been talking about it for a year. Uh, I got my flow state and I kept it going. So I'm so grateful to you and anybody else out there who's listening, the, the power of this, just to sort of do my, my wrap up here is that uh, not only can you find your message and what it is you want to say, but you can do it in a way that's going to get people to want to engage with you. And then as a happenstance almost, even though it, it's sort of 
the point is to actually have them come work with you. So anybody, in my opinion, and Morel could probably back me up, I believe that anybody who's listening could could get up on a stage after working with Aurel, have their story, and at the end of the day, get more customers, which is what we're all out to do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me, Aurel. And, uh, and I look forward to hanging out with you more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I'll do? I, I'm kind of doing this off the fly here, but um, I'll give you a link. Um, so <laughs> you could probably put it in your show notes. Uh, it'll probably be like aurelmoody.com slash MKG. And I'll give a, a video and a little work, a little workbook that goes into more detail into this elevator content strategy. So you can see it and see what kind of questions I typically ask people. So if you go there, I'll give it to you just for free. I'll, I'll make like a, the link, the MKG link. So just so people can see it, because I'm just really an advocate that when people can go on a stage and share a message, they become the visible incredible expert in their industry. And with virtual, and I think the world, you know, will never be the same. I think we're going to have more virtual, more in, you know, when we go back to in-person, I still think we're going to have hybrids of the in-person carrying over to virtual. Mm -hmm. There's never been more opportunities that, than people to hear from you. So the more people who can share good messages and impact people, I think it's a rising tide that lifts all boats. I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I love that. I'll make sure that's in the show notes and people can access it and uh, get started on their own. Awesome. Thanks for making the uh, space and making this available. I think it's awesome. And I, I just, uh, I think Carrie, that you're just doing um, an incredible job with humans. Um, for anyone who doesn't know uh, your story and how you run your company, I think they, they, they can learn a lot from you because you just are, you're doing everything right. So the more I learned about you, the more I was impressed by how you care about your workers and how you can live wherever you want in the world and still make your business work virtually um, at a high level and how everyone has like a one to two year churn rate with their employees and you <laughs> have people that have been there for over five years and don't want to leave. Like that's not on accident. So, you know, you're doing great things and I'm just, just proud and happy to be a part of this. Thank you so much, Aurel. And, and everybody, he learned that through the content elevator strategy. That's how crazy this is. And, uh, and he made me a believer in my own story, which is even more crazy. So thank you, Aurel. This was a pleasure. And thank you for hopping on the MKG podcast and sharing your story. I really appreciate you. My pleasure. I will talk to you soon. Peace. That was my conversation with Aurel Moody. Oh, man, I love his energy. Don't you feel inspired to get up and want to tell your story? I do. I did, actually. I, I partnered with a company called Interview Connections, where I'm now going on other people's podcasts to share our, our story here at MKG. And it's been it's just been so inspiring to both find, you know, outward and more success through speaking. Outward meaning that yes, we get, you know, it's a lead generator, but inward from just the ability to connect with more people and to be able to tell our story and how we do things and how we were able to accomplish so much in the last eight years. That just has been such a thrill. So if you'd like to identify your story and learn more about how you too can turn speaking into revenue, then please contact Aurel on LinkedIn, or you can visit his website at artoflakeability.com. Thank you for listening to the Tech Marketing Leaders Podcast, the podcast that helps you get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and until next time. 
This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency and agile experts who specialize in SEO, PPC, and analytics. Music mix and mastering done by our marketing assistant, Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketing.com to apply.